Hello, Cindy. How are you doing today? Hi, Gary. I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I'm uh, just enthused to be back and uh, life's getting a little bit back to normal. I went out over the weekend and heard some music and uh, life seems to be returning somewhat back to normal. So it's exciting and um, I'm happy to be back um, and uh, somewhat maskless. So our guest today is, is joining us all the way from Nigeria and uh, we're going to let him introduce himself. Hi, hi, Damiola. Hello, Gary. <laughs> Say your name for us, please. My name is Oluwa Damilola Akpotieri Abdullahi, um, shortly called Damilola. Damilola. Damilola it is. And I'm impressed, Damilola, that your name uses almost the entire alphabet. Yeah, yeah. I actually have about 37 letters of the alphabet, um, 37 letters um, spell my full name, basically. I remember uh, one of my professors always telling me um, that my name can actually uh, be used as a uh, project topic. <laughs> excellent, <laughs> excellent. So, Dami Lola, uh, let's, let's uh, start out you telling us a little bit about yourself and and your, uh, your area you live in and uh, your relationship with your father. Uh, my name is Uluwa Damilola Kotieri once again, and uh, I'm from Nigeria. I live in Abuja, Nigeria. That's the capital city of the Federal Republic of Nigeria, West Africa. I am originally from Lagos. I grew up in Lagos, moved to Abuja about 11 years ago in pursuit of a better uh, space or a safe, a safe space, or maybe not a safe space, uh, a lonely space. Because what I mean by a lonely space is um, I have all my family members in Lagos. When I moved to Abuja about uh, 11 years ago, I was the only one. I didn't know anyone in this city. Um, I just wanted to explore life and then um, take theater out of the normal, Capital, uh, commercial capital city of Nigeria, which, which is Lagos. Um, moved to Abuja. I do theater in Abuja, basically. One of the few people who do theater in Abuja. Um, I, I teach. I facilitate drama classes. I um, lead interventions. I, I'm an applied drama practitioner. I have a background in theater arts. And, and also a background, I, I did my honors and my master's in applied drama and theater at the University of Vetwaterstrand. And then I also do playback theater and I do improvisational theater. Um, I actually work with an organization called Playback Nigeria, which is the first playback theater, the first and only playback theater company and improv theater company in Nigeria. Uh, so uh, I work with about uh, over 500 children weekly doing improvisational theater physically. I'm also uh, the convener of the International Children's Theater Festival, where I do, the I convey theater with children to talk about social issues affecting them. Um, my last um, Children's Theater Festival had participants from about 13 countries and over 40 facilitators from all over the world. 
doing theater for 12 weeks and um, the performance itself was about for two days. Uh, so basically that's um, me. I'm married to a very beautiful lady and um, we, we, we're good. <laughs> You're good together. Yes. Can you pause the recording? Hold on just a second. Okay, Damiola, that's great. Uh, we do improv here in the States, so uh, we're, um, we're brothers in improv and uh, brothers and sisters in improv. Um, so uh, part of the reason we're, we're anxious to interview you is because uh, you come from a, a different culture and we're anxious to compare fathering uh, and parenting styles in uh, different cultures. And uh, so tell us a little bit about your father's uh, parenting uh, style. All right. Um, my father is late. I lost my father uh, about 23 years ago. Um, I, I was 11 when I lost my father. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was nine when I lost my father. That's very, uh, very young to lose your dad. Yeah. Uh, so I, I grew up with um, knowing my mom as my father of recognizing my mom as my father because she took that responsibility of both the mom and, and, and the dad. Um, I, I had a lot of uh, female mentors around me and also a couple of male mentors who played the role of dad for me. My mother didn't remarry, so she's still single uh, after about 24 years. And um, we, we, I have a very good memory of my dad. It was, very, um, uh, it was a lovely experience or it's a very lovely moment uh, the short time I, I had to spend with him. Um, we would go places, he would, I, I can't remember having him um, laying a finger on me. So he never, he never, this, laid, he never laid a finger on you? Um, he never really, I, I could point out how many times he did, and I could tell you what I did to uh, have actually uh, caused that. I think the, the very one I remembered was when I was about seven or eight, we had just visited, um, my father was into real estate before he died. Uh, it was a retired pilot. It was a pilot in the, in the Nigerian Air Force. So it was a military man. And then he... We had just gone to see a property he just bought. Uh, on our way, we had taken my elder brother to um, get a new eyeglasses, right? Any set of eyeglasses, pair of eyeglasses. And then we, when we got back home, we had a I had a clash with my brother and I slapped him on his face. So my father just used two fingers. I remember I was young, but I can still remember. I'd say, no, don't touch your, it's, it's your elder brother. So don't do that. That's the only moment I can really remember. My father was one of the people that motivated me to drive very early. Not that he taught your me how father, to drive. Your father motivated you to what? To drive a car to drive very a early. Car. He gave me the opportunity to have interest in driving, right? Because I remember at the very tender age of 
four, five, where we had gone. My father, a lot of things that I love today is as a result of uh, my father. I'm a lover of dogs. My father kept dogs. Uh, being a military man, he had police dogs, he had German shepherds that he kept. So that actually fueled uh, the desire or the love of having animals. My father also had uh, a poetry farm. He was, uh, a poet, he was a poetry fan? No, a poetry farm, like- um, Poultry, poultry. Yes, a poultry farm, yes. Yeah. So we had um, and chickens around. So we had a poultry farm where we read chickens and then we, we, it's something I love keeping till date. Although I do not keep um, birds at the moment because my wife doesn't like it. Uh, but it's something that if I had to close my, I actually have an 11 acre farm that I actually bought because I wanted to rear birds, right? So, and that's because my father used to love that. We used to have a, a farm when he was alive. Uh, I, I, I was also uh, in the Air, Air Force cadet, like a junior Air Force when I was in secondary school. Uh, and that was a result of my father being mm -hmm. uh, a military man in the Air Force, basically. He never told me to go into the Air Force because he had died by the time I joined um, the Air Force cadets. Uh, he had passed away by then, uh, but it was something that I just desired. So it, we, we had a very cordial relationship where we would go out, we would, it would get us food. The first time I ever tasted, or my father is one person that gave me an uh, alcohol as a child to drink. Uh, I don't drink right now. I've never drank since I, I think I was about age, maybe nine. But I remember that very moment was almost like my last outing with my father um, before he passed away. Uh, was we had gone to see this new property and then he got us a bottle of, my brother and myself, a bottle of um, stouts. Uh, it's a beer, but uh, people believe that it's more of a, a blood tonic beer, right? Uh, and so it's, good, it, so it's good for you. Yeah. Yeah, but, it's really, you know, really, really, really healthy to drink this beer. <laughs> so it, I, I remember we had that a small stout, it's called small stout. It has a bigger bottle called the big stout, small stout. And then I, I, that's one memory I have of myself having to take a bottle of beer. I, I don't drink right now. I don't even take soda. I'm only one on water and then um, some specific um, um, glass of juice or types of juice. Um, but that's a memory I have of, of my father. And when you now look at all the fathers around me, uh, because having um, lost my father at that very tender age, I had all the role models I, I took as father that I called dad, uh, not for anything, but because they, uh, I see them as role models. And I think that's one of the reasons why I, I basically 
lived or live a responsible life. There are people of my age who would have lost their father at a tender age. And because, as if because there is no uh, male figure in their lives, they tend to miss their parts. But I had all the people I had to look up to. And then because of their success, I was hungry for the kind of success, uh, positive success, if I use that word. And I, I grew up very early in life. Uh, I became a child rights activist at the age of nine. A child became, activist, a child activist. Child, yes, at nine. the age of nine. I started writing plays at that very tender age. At the age of 11, I started uh, appearing on TV. I started doing soap operas and presenting my own programs on TV uh, because I had male mentors I see as fathers who I speak to. I, 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 I walk up to say, this is what I'm going through. How do I cope with this? Uh, but when you look at an African setting in general, the role of a father is uh, more of a, a disciplinarian. Someone uh, who, when you're trying to mess up and your mother says, don't worry, wait till your dad comes back and uh, you have to- That sounds very familiar here too. Right, so the father role, the traditional father role in Nigeria is the disciplinarian. Um, and yet your father had a very light touch as a disciplinarian, effective, but light. Well, when we talk about being a disciplinarian, uh, it doesn't mean that um, such father doesn't, uh, is not nice. It just means that when you need to be corrected, it serves you the best dish of correction. And he then- you, He serves you the best dish of correction. Of correction. So even if it's just uh, the way it looks like at you, you get that message. You're like, okay, don't mess with this man. Don't it's not like- he beats you all the time or he, he punishes you all the time. He, he just serves as that authority over the house and says, okay, this is how you are in my house and this is how things would go. And that's so how it works. It may be very subtle. It may be very subtle, but very effective. Very effective, yes. At the same time. Um, so there were two major father forces in your life growing up. Your father, father. who lives in you still and lives in many of your choices throughout your life. And these other role models, the other men who are around to mentor you. Um, so Dami Lola, uh, how, how are you carrying any of that on? How are you a father role model to others, if at all? Uh, because uh, I lost my father at a very tender age, I became an adult early. And then one of the key things I did was to mentor young people. 
So I started playing roles in people's lives that made them refer to me as their dad, even as a child. All right, so it started from being a school father to uh, being a mentor. So I have, I, I have a couple of people, young people who look up to me as a mentor. Um, I think I was less than 14 when I started offering scholarships to young people in my area. Because uh, after I lost my dad, my, I had a grand uncle who was offering us um, some, about some money per week as, as stipends. And out of that stipend, we then see ourselves as, oh, we're getting this. That, that experience actually exposed us to reality a lot of ch other children in our environment lived in. So having um, lost uh, a major figure in, in my life, and that affected our economic, our economic um, stand, affected my mother's, because of course it affected my mother's income right. also. So we, we had to go and then depend on stipends from my grand uncle. So because of that, we became experienced to what other young people were feeling. And at that point, we started offering scholarships also. That's what an adult would normally do. I was probably about 12, 11, 12, 13, when we started doing that. So that moment grew up, uh, uh, helped me to live, like I said, a responsible life and also mentor people. And those people, without me asking, uh, still see me as their father. Father figure, right. So when your father passed and he left these empty shoes, you stepped right into them. You stepped into those empty shoes and became a parent figure, not just to yourself, but to others in your community. Yes. Hmm. So Damio, do, do you have children of your own? Um, not yet. Ah. Yes. What kind of father do you think you'll be? I only got married last year, so. Oh. Yes. There's still time. There's still time, yes. Yeah, you're smiling when you say that. It, it seems like a, a twinkle that portends the future. Well, I'm looking forward to having children of mine, my own. Um, and I, I believe that I'm going to be a very responsible father. Uh, I'm also going to be a very lovely, loving father. And also, be, and that's because I have had that experience of fathering other young people, right? Without uh, having to father them biologically. Um, like I said, I, I teach about 500 young people every week. And I, I see them first as a part of me. Um, and that also helps me guide how, how to relate with them. That guides me in how to relate with them. So uh, I, it's, I, and it's, it's really, it's really um, natural for me. It was a smooth ride for me um, 
having to work with people and relate with them and they see me as not just a mentor, not just a, an elder brother, but someone they can invite, oh, my daddy, right? As a young person, it shows that I, because of my relationship with other children, other people's children, uh, I, I promote play in their lives. A lot of them see me and they want to embrace me. They want to carry me. They say, oh, please don't go. And that actually prompts me to say, oh, I think my children are really going to have a very short time um, also. I think so, too. Um, it strikes me that this fathering role is one that you've been rehearsing for since you were a young boy, like you said, at a tender age. Um, That's correct. By the time you have children of your own, you will be very well rehearsed, indeed. That's correct. I'm curious, um, uh, just practically, how did you offer sp sponsorships and scholarships to, to children? How did you raise money? How, I'm, I'm just curious how that happened. So we were getting stipends um, from our granduncle, who I see as my grandfather. Yes. And then we would take part of that stipend and give it to all the children. So at that point, we were getting about, um, uh, I think it was about 400 naira per, per week. Now, 400 naira then was, um, was about um, a, maybe $50 per week. Right, as of then, we'll get about $400 per week and then we would then take out, so let's say we're getting $50 per week, we'll take out $20 and give it, my, that's my elder brother and myself. We'll give it back, uh, to our neighbors, some of the children there. And then we, we will take the remaining $30 to ourselves, right? At the same time, um, we were organizing classes, clubs for children. I remember about 20, 2017, so about 15, 16 years, 2007, um, I organized a free summer tutorials for over 1,100 children in my community using my school fees. So these right. stipends, these stipends are contributions from your other family members to help. So this stipend was this stipend was from my grand uncle, who I see as my grandfather. So your family gave you contributions just to help your family live, and you took some of the the contributions to help others in your community. Uh, uh, then, yes, yeah, I see. Well, I that, think that, that's. One of the foundation for what I do today. Foundation for my humanitarian work, foundation for my volunteerism, foundation for everything I am today, basically, giving up to others. I live, at the moment, I, I do not live um, for myself, I live for others. So I live to serve others, basically. Gary, you were going to say something? No, I just think that's incredible as a, as a young person too. To, uh, to to see the need and to address it as a young person and and now carrying on as an adult to, to, to serve others. And I think 
that's just incredible. And I salute you for your uh, generosity and your unselfishness. I think that uh, the world would be a whole bunch better if there were a bunch of people like you. So we, uh, we thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, say while we have you on the line? Uh, well, um, I would just like to say that um, the, the, the experience of uh, having a father figure uh, would not be complete if uh, I just uh, moved on to say, oh, I, didn't have, I don't have a real father, so I'm not going to take any other person as my father. Uh, but embracing people, I have a lot of people that I actually refer to as fathers and mothers today. Um, both in the improv world, I refer to Patrick Short as dad. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Patrick Short of Comedy Spot Portland. Uh, I call him dad. He calls me son. Um, I have Michael Bonds of Mopco Theatre. I refer to him as dad. I had uh, a, a supervisor uh, my head of department in university, Warren Nebe, Wolverine's Drama for Life. I refer to him as his dad. So I, I, every part of my life in politics, in social work, in health, in theater, I have one dad or the other that I always reach out to to say, hey, this is what is happening right now. Uh, I don't have a biological father to, to mentor me. And I'm not too, I'm not too proud to say, oh, I am not looking forward to people who have been doing what I do for over 20, 30, 40 years. So I reach out to them and say, hey, dad, this is what I'm doing right now. What do you think about it? Even though they're not my biological dad. And they have, have willingly opened their arms to welcome me, welcome my ideas and support whatever I do. Uh, I think that's one of the key things. So for those who are listening to this podcast and you have an absentee father, don't give up. There's someone out there who is ready to stretch for their hand to welcome you. There's someone out there who is ready to uh, mentor you. Just identify that person and reach out to them. So parent, parent and child is not limited to genetics. There's yes. another heart out there that will step into the role of parent if you're missing your own. Yes. I think that's a tremendous notion that uh, we expand our thinking to what fathering and mentoring can be. And, uh, and it's also uh, points out that you're willing to accept help is a, is a sort of a generous act in itself. It's uh, uh, somebody is sort of too proud or too ashamed or to uh, whatever reason uh, to reach out for help, uh, to reach out to someone and say, I need you to be my father in this, in this area or that area. And, and, and if, if more of us did that, then I think people would step up and say, yeah, I, I can help you out with that. And that's a, that's a, that's a great notion. So, uh, we thank you so much, so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on with us, Demi Lola. Thank you, Demi Lola. Thank you so much, Cindy. Yeah. And uh, so that's our episode of Daddy Never Cried this week. Uh, we are very honored to have Damalola and the rest of his name uh, <laughs> from Nigeria. And uh, 
So please go to our website and you can see how you can submit your stories for our podcast. And we'll see you next time on Daddy Never Cried. Thank you so much, Gary. Thank that you.